Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So here's the deal. We've been in a series titled Raised to Life. It's unlike any other series we've done as a church, but I've loved it. It's really what we're doing is we're going through the book of Ephesians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, and we are moving through this letter verse by verse, okay? It's deep, it's rich, but it's so good. It's challenged me, it's encouraged me, it's transformed my prayer life. It's done so much, and I hope that it's impacted you guys. I hope it's affected y'all. I hope it's edified your spirit and all those good Christian-y things, Okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage here. It's from Ephesians 4. Next week, we'll close out Ephesians chapter 4. We're almost there. Um, But what I plan to do is read our intended passage for the day, and then we'll we'll pray, and then we'll take the rest of our time together to kind of break down what is Paul communicating to the church in Ephesus. Does that sound okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would use this word uh, for your glory and for your purpose. I pray as the seed of your word goes forth, that even now you till the soil of our hearts. Maybe it's someone sitting in this room. Maybe someone's listening to this message on a podcast. I pray that right now you you would till the soil of our heart to uh, make it good soil to receive the seed of your word. I hope that it would take root. It would grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed by your word. God, you say it's alive and it's active. So let it, let it complete its work in us. We don't want to just hear your word, God. We want to be doers also. It's in your holy and mighty name we all said, amen. So here's what Paul writes. He says this. He says, so I tell you this. He's talking to the church in Ephesus, right? He's saying, you know, pretty, pretty young believers that maybe some of them have been Christians longest, maybe about three years. And here's what he says. He says, so I tell you this. He goes, and insist on it in the Lord. He says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Don't don't live like the Gentiles anymore. Okay, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by your deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self. Everyone say new self. New self. New year, new me. Just kidding. Okay. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I realized that I told you guys I was going to read that verse, then pray. Well, I decided to pray, then read that verse, so um, deal with it. Hey, yeah, it's a, that's all right. That's all right. Come on, it still works, right? So um, a few years ago, before we actually took over this campus pastor job here at, at our Marshfield campus, we were at our Republic campus, and we were youth pastors. And part of the youth ministry out there, when, when we were kind of heading up that ministry, we, we had an after-school program. And if you've been to our Republic campus, you know that practically across the street, within walking distance, there's a middle school there. So we would, you know, strategically have an after-school program to, to get these kids into our buildings and then to get them into church. That was what we wanted to do. We wanted to minister to the community in that way. And, you know, we were passionate about reaching those kids. So we had an after-school program on Wednesday. So I kid you not, three o'clock hit and it was like, you know, get ready, here comes the storm, amen? So we had, I'm not even kidding, close, sometimes close to 200 kids walking over to our building with limited volunteers. Now you get 
close to 200 kids together and the excitement of school being over and being out from mom and dad's supervision, right? You can imagine this after school, we needed prayer and a lot of other things and more volunteers, okay? I mean, at times, this, this after school program would get a little chaotic at times, crazy. Just a cu- couple of stories. These are, these are true stories. Um, one week, we had a kid get pushed through drywall, okay? Busted through a door. There were conversations I had with um, students who were one gender, wanted to be another gender. I had students who brought drugs in. I had students who I had to make them, you know, take off their shoes and check their shoes for pills because I heard they were bringing in pills. And, you know, this was a place where sometimes fights would break out. And, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. It was in- I think one of the worst ones was we had a storage closet with like some of our snacks and, and equipment and stuff like that. And a ball went up on top of this storage closet. And this kid somehow found out how to get on top of this storage closet, fell through the ceiling of the storage. I told y'all we needed more volunteers, but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was wild. But, you know, be- because it was so accessible and it was so close to the school, we got this huge influx of kids, which meant we had uh, kind of this wide variety of backgrounds, beliefs. You had kids who were raised in church, knew Jesus, had given their heart, they're hungry to grow. And then you have kids who are like, I'm Sally's boyfriend, and here I am. Like, and have no, their family's not in church. They don't know who Jesus is, and it's all over the place. Like, it's just, you know, but, but what's cool about this after-school program, it's okay. Like, if you're on church, if you don't know Jesus, come on, we, we want you here, right? Like, that's, that's what we wanted to do. Matter of fact, this after-school program, as stressful as it was, as, as much as it tested our patience at times, it did create incredible opportunities to do ministry. It did do that. So as I, as I was reading through this passage and kind of thinking on the message this week, I was reminded of a specific interaction I had with one of the kids in the after-school program. And, you know, a story that I'll never really forget. There's this kid named Zion. And I remember this specific day at the after-school program, you could, we got to the point, we had been doing it long enough, where you could tell when there was like, there was a buzz. And you could tell, this is going to be one of those days drama's happening. Either somebody broke up or a fight scheduled. It's just one of those days, you know, the girls are crying, the boys are divided, you know, giving each other pump-up speeches in the corner. It's like, all right, what is going on? What, what's going to happen here? So we were just kind of, you know, listening and observing, and come to find out there was this kid Zion, and Abigail and I, we love this kid Zion, and he, he was just an, an awesome little kid, and one of those kids where maybe he doesn't realize it, but God's put so much in him. You know, he just has so much in him, all, all the gifts, just this, in, this incredible young man. And um, come to find out, he's uh, as credible as he is, he's apparently brought a knife to the after-school program. Yeah, he's a work in, work in progress, as we all are, you know. So I, I, I actually see that he's at our after-school program. I'm hearing that he has a knife, but who knows if it's rumors or not. Apparently there's a fight. He's going to fight kids. So we're trying to kind of figure out what's going on and I, he actually starts to walk off our property, and you technically weren't really supposed to leave the property. Um, but I was kind of in the doorway, and I'm like, well, if he's got a knife in his bag, like, should, should I let him go? If there's a fight, I'm just trying to sort through. And, but I kind of feel the Lord prick my heart, like, you know, let, let's go talk to him. So he's right almost off our property. And I'm like, Zion, I'm like, I'm like, dude, let's talk for a second. 
I'm like, what is going on? And you can tell he's a little frustrated, a little, little mad, a little reserved, like nothing. I'm like, dude, kids are telling me you have a knife. I'm like, do you have a knife? He's like, no, I don't have a knife. I'm like, all right, praise God. I'm like, well, is there a fight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, are you, are you going to the fight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you going to go to the fight for? Like, why? Why are you going to go? Because they're saying stupid stuff. I'm like, stupid, saying stupid stuff. I'm like, what are they saying? Stupid stuff. I'm like, all right, well, let these little virgin ears hear. What did they say? Hey, did they cuss? You know, like, what, what did they call you a name? Like, what, what, did they, what did they say? He goes, finally starting to get him to open up a little bit. They're calling me adopted because I don't live with my real parents. I'm like, okay. I'm like, dang, man. I'm like, is that all they said? Like, what, what else are they saying to you? And he's like, um, and you could tell he's, you know, hesitant to open up. He's like, they're making fun of me because I'm poor. My family's poor. And I'm like, man, I'm like, your family's poor. He's like, yeah. I'm like, dang, man. And you can see his, his heart's kind of softened in this moment. And his, his eyes are actually filling up with tears now. And you could see this kid who was angry and hurt. And here we are. We all pegged him for this criminal, you know, and he's got a knife and he's just another one. No, he's just hurt. You know, he's really just hurt. But, but in that pain and in all that, he's ready to act a certain way. He's ready just to totally, totally submit to his flesh. And I've been hurt, so I'm going to hurt others. I'm mad, so I'm going to act on I'm angry, so I'm going to act out on this. And, you know, so I kind of, I'm like, you know, we, we kind of talk about it. You know, he's, he's, his eyes are well enough, started off hard, started off ready to fight, knock teeth in. The kid's probably in seventh grade, you know. It's like, and uh, I go, I'm like, Zion, I'm like, can I give you a hug? <laughs> hey, give him a He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. You know, let's do it around the corner so no one sees, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, why don't you just come back inside? I'm like, come on. This is where you need to be. This is where you should be. And uh, he's like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm like, okay, well, if you change your mind, you come back. He walks around the corner two minutes later. He's like, all right, I'm going to come back inside. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, come on down. So it was good, but, you know, I, I tell that story. And the point of me telling that story is that Zion, he was just going to go fight. He was just going to go vent his frustration, take out his anger on those kids. He was just going to throw down. Zion was, he was going to handle life based off what he felt. Maybe based off what he thought was right. Based off what he had experienced or how he had seen others handle life's problems and life's conflicts. And how many know, man, life is going to throw us conflict. Life is going to throw us trials. Life is going to hurt our feelings, right? But how many know God's purpose isn't for us to just respond in our flesh. Our flesh will always feel certain ways, but, but, we, but we are to live by faithfulness, not by feelings, right? We, we know that. But Zion, was just, he was just going to act out in his flesh, right? He, he was just thinking that was his only option. And as I looked at Paul talking to this young church in Ephesus, th- Paul's having a conversation with the church in Ephesus similar to that that I'm having with Zion. Paul's saying, listen, don't just act however you want. Don't just act like how you've always, don't just act like everybody acts and and just give vent to to your flesh, right? Ephesians 4, 17, Paul writes this. He says, I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord. He's like, by the authority God's given me, listen to me. He goes, 
You must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That word futility, it, it means emptiness, de depravity. He's like, he's like the people in Ephesus, not the church in Ephesus, but the, but the people, the culture in Ephesus. He's like, they, they just live thoughtlessly. They, they live empty-headed. They, they don't think about their actions. They don't think about how it affects other people. They just, they just indulge in their pleasures and desires. They, they thoughtlessly just navigate life, right? Paul's trying to tell the young believers in Ephesus, listen, your culture, they, they have no moral compass. They thoughtlessly are living their lives. They're lost. He's like, y'all are called to live set apart in the truth you receive from Jesus. That's not how we're called to live anymore. That's what he's saying. Then he goes on to write in verse 18, Ephesians 4, 18. He doesn't hold back. He goes, they're darkened in their understanding, these, these non-believers. And they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. And having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality and so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and, and they're full of greed. They're just, you know, they're just giving in, just giving in to their flesh. Paul doesn't hold back, right? Paul just points out the people of Ephesus, they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God. They're ignorant. They've given themselves over to sensuality and every kind of impurity. And I'm like reading this and I'm like, Paul, are you talking about my after school program or are you talking about the church of Ephesus? Because I can't figure it. But church, I want to I ask you guys, you know, have any of us found these characteristics that he's using to describe the non-believers in Ephesus manifesting in our life? And we've talked a lot about this. There's this spiritual war that we're in, whether we realize it or not. Maybe we don't see it, but in the heavenlies, we've talked a lot about the heavenlies, this realm that we can't see. But there's this war between the flesh and the spirit, right? And Paul talks a lot about this in the Bible but there's this, this flesh, this old self, this nature, and then there's this new self. There's this new nature we've received through God's spirit and they're warring with each other. And what Paul is saying is, is the people in, in, in Ephesus, the, the people just in the city, they don't even realize how bad they're losing that war. It's like they're not even fighting. They're just living in the flesh. They're just living in it, totally submitted to it. Paul writes, their thinking is futile. They're living life thoughtlessly. They don't consider their actions and the effects of their actions. Their thoughts are darkened and they're separate from the life of God. They don't know what it looks like to serve God. They don't know what holy living looks like. They don't, they don't, they don't know what self-control looks like. So they, they, they live their life based on their feelings and they indulge in things that bring death to their soul. Paul's writing to the believers and saying, listen, the people of, uh, of Ephesus, they're living a moral, purposeless lives. Don't get wrapped up in it. And I know y'all were too, but not anymore. That's not who we are anymore. He goes, they're living, separated. they're living separate from God, and you can see it in their actions. But I, but I think we need to ask this question, what's warping their minds? What's darkening their mind? What's causing the separation from God, what's causing them to lose control? Well, we actually read it in Ephesians 4.18, but maybe some of us missed it, but we see, we see where, what some of it's rooted in. Check this out, Ephesians 4.18, it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to what? 
the hardening of their hearts. The hardening of their hearts. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Ephesus has it. A heart issue. They got a heart issue. And this thought by Paul is actually consistent with what we see in the rest of the scriptures. Maybe some of y'all are familiar with the verse, but Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart. Why? Because everything, say everything, everything. Think, of, think about everything. Our, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our actions, the way we love people or fail to love people, right? Like the way we respond to people or fail to respond to people. What we do, how we walk, talk, how we navigate this life, how we interact in our relationship, everything. Everything we do flows from our heart. So he says, protect it. And I think that's part of the problem. That's what Paul's saying is this issue in Ephesus. He says, they got a heart issue, right? And then we also see Jesus talk about the heart. And in Luke 6, 45, Jesus says this, a good man brings good things out of the treasure of his heart, out of, out of what's stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in the heart. But he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know what that tells me? I can tell what's in your heart. You can tell what's in my heart if we just take time to listen to the consistency of our words. If we want to, it's good, huh? We need to take inventory on our heart. Come on, is, it, is, it, is there bitterness? Is there anger? Is there brokenness? Is there hurt? If you listen to someone's words long enough, I can figure out what's in your heart and you can figure out what's in my heart. I think some of us, we need to find out if we have a heart issue to identify, to take inventory, what's in here, what's going on in here. Listen, and start recording your voice, right? Start, start recording your conversations. What, what do I sound like? Are my words hurtful or are they encouraging? Do they build up or do they break down? Come on, are, 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 they, are they negative or are they positive? Is it, is it like I believe in myself and, and there's life or is it like, man, I'm never gonna do that and there's death? What's in our words? Because I think if we could listen, we'd be able to take inventory on, on what's in our heart. Man, the scriptures are so good because there's all these little like life's mysteries that we that are, we find in here. Like what wisdom this is. I think it's incredible that we can discover what's what's in our heart based off the things that we say. Some of us we need to take inventory. So I want to read the rest of uh, this passage out of Ephesians four as we move into uh, verses seventeen through nineteen. Paul writes this, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Or, or I just want to read this again. I'm sorry. I, I, want to read it. I want to read it again as we've kind of talked through some of that. So I tell you this as I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live lives as the Gentiles do. We don't live like that anymore, right? They're living in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart, Right? having lost all sensitivity. Come on, you ever been in that place where you're so, where you're so distant, right? You've been so disobedient. You're, you're so wrapped up in the flesh. You know you're supposed to feel convicted, but we don't even feel convicted anymore. Like anyone just lost all sensitivity. He's saying they, they don't even I, don't even, I don't even know if they're sensing conviction anymore. Spitting all over everyone, sorry. Yeah. So it says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Maybe there's some of us in here this morning and we find ourselves in a similar struggle as these Gentiles. We've been living life separate from the life of God, distant. We felt distant. We've lived unholy. 
in a manner that's not set apart from culture, not set apart from the world. We're struggling with sin. Maybe we find ourselves submitting to it, willingly inviting it, willingly laying down with it and, and letting it take root, letting it take home in our heart. And whether it's because it looks good or it feels good or it tastes good, we found ourselves indulging our sinful appetites. Maybe we found ourselves there. And what's crazy is even though we, maybe we know head knowledge it's wrong, we maybe don't even feel guilty about it anymore. And you know what all this is a sign of? Heart issues. Hard heart. The reality is, though, we all got this heart issue we got to deal with. Matter of fact, when we came out of the womb, I'd argue we were all born with these hearts of stone, hardened by sin, hardened by brokenness, right? I think we come out of the womb selfish, hearts full of hate, hearts full of envy, jealousy, distaste, disobedience. All of us were born with these hearts that have been ravaged and hardened by sin, right? It's encouraging, huh? Be blessed. But thankfully, God was aware of that. And God did something about it. Amen? In fact, it was prophesied before Jesus ever made his dwelling on the earth. We can look back in the book of Ezekiel, and we read this verse, Ezekiel 36, verse 26 through 27. It says, I will give you a new heart. Say new heart. Come on, he knew we had a heart issue. God's a surgeon, man. Gives us new hearts. I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you a heart that beats. I give you a heart that feels. I give you a heart that blood runs through, that gives life to your body, that gives life to your soul. I'll give you a, I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws, right? Matter of fact, I think of this concept of, of we need, we have heart issues. We have heart issues. That's what it is. And I, and I think back on what we've already read, and what we've already talked about. Remember Ephesians 3? Remember we talked about the message, I think it was a couple weeks ago, where, where Paul says, I get on my knees and I pray. And, and we said that this prayer kind of mimicked that of Solomon praying for the temple to be filled. And, and, and Paul gets down and he's like, and he's like, I pray that you fill the believers because we're the temple now, right? Y'all remember this message? Hand up in the air. You remember this message. Okay. So I, I, wanna, I just want to read this verse. Just revisit it really quick because it's, it's really good. But, but I think this whole heart issue, this whole heart issue is... This is what Paul's trying to get across to, to these Ephesians. He, he said this in uh, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 18. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, say inner being, in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your what? So that Christ may dwell where? In your heart through faith. You know, the question is, is what, you can write that down, what's inhabited our hearts? What's taken home in our hearts? Paul's praying, I pray that these believers would be so full, I pray that Jesus would, would, would take home in their heart. Through, through your faith, I pray Christ would dwell in your heart, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people, come on, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled, say filled, filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. I, I, I want you, I, It's a heart issue. I want Christ to inhabit your heart. I want you to grow roots in his love. That, that love 
It, it has power to transform us. There's a hard issue. Paul's telling the young believers in Ephesus, don't live like the Gentiles do. They're living with hard hearts. They're living life with Christ. They're, they're, they aren't living life with Christ dwelling in their heart through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But he's saying you are. Verse continues in Ephesians 4, back, back to Ephesians 4, verse 20 through 24. He says that, however, he goes, that's not how you learned when you heard about Christ. You were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. We're going to live by the truth of Jesus. We're going to live how he's called us to live and empowered us to live. Amen? Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Say, put it off. Put it off. Come on, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Say, new self. New self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is giving the charge. He's saying to the church, he's like, come on, y'all, we're Jesus followers now. We're Jesus followers now. We're going to live like it. We're going to live set apart in a world that's not living set apart, right? We're gonna, we, we've been given a new heart, and there's a new spirit at work within us. Come on, we're not living in the old sinful ways. We're done living in the corrupt old self. It's time to put on the new. That's what he's saying. But maybe there's some of us in the room and we find ourselves struggling with that old self a little more often than we'd like to admit. And that's okay. We can just talk here. We can come in here and act like everything's all good and we got it all together and, we, and there's no real, you know, no big thing. I'm really struggling, you know, whatever. Just got a knife in my backpack and I'm going to go beat somebody. <laughs> you know, maybe you're like Zion. Like you've got hurt and you find yourself just wanting to hurt others, right? I just, or, or maybe you, you got desires you can't seem to get control over. Maybe you've got a tongue you can't seem to tame. Maybe, maybe you find yourself dressed in the old self a little too often, all too often. But it's frustrating for you because you don't, you don't, you don't want to be dressed in that anymore. And I want to be made new. I want to I live for God. I want to step into his plans. I want to be, I, I, I want to I treat them better. I want to love them better. I don't, man, I don't want to, I don't want to look at that anymore. I don't want to mess with that anymore. I don't want to drink that anymore. I don't want to, man, I, I'm trying, but I just find myself getting drawn back to that. And it gets frustrating because it's like, man, I want to do this, but, I, but I, I'm having a heart. I keep losing that battle, that war between the flesh and the spirit. It's just, man, it's like, I just, I'm struggling. And what I love about Paul is as godly as a man as he was, Paul's got a past, right? Like before Paul was ever doing all this Christian missionary work, helping the church and Jesus stuff, before he did all that, man, he was killing the people who were or take, at least taking part in it, right? So Paul's had some brokenness. He's had some old self that has had, had to fall away, but he's transparent enough to admit that some of that old self still exists, that some of that old self he's still wrestling with. And I'm so glad that Paul was willing to be vulnerable with us so we, so we could look back on a guy because Paul could have just boasted about all the good things he did. Paul could have just boasted about how holy and righteous and how impactful his ministry was. And, you know, they beat me up and dragged me out of the city and I walked back in to preach Jesus, you know, like I was just the man of all men. But in Romans 7, Paul gets a little transparent with us and I'm so grateful he did because I think it's going to give somebody courage. And have you ever found that when you're willing to be vulnerable and transparent that you actually help people get free? You know, I think a lot of times, you know, God's kingdom is so interesting because I think we have to hide who we are. Because if people see our brokenness or understand that we don't have it all together, then they'll discredit our ministry, our work, our intentions, or whatever it might be. 
But let's remember that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And I love how we see in Paul, you know what real strength is? Willing to say, man, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not perfect. This is, this is really good. Like even for me, I think in ministry, I have some friends who are in ministry, some, some even pastor friends, dudes I really look up to. And some of the most impactful moments I've had with them is when they were willing to be transparent with me and say, hey, dude, I'm going to let you see some of this brokenness. And it didn't, you know, it did the opposite of everything we, we think in the natural that it would. It actually gave me strength that, man, God, God uses you like that, and you're just as broken as me. Maybe he can use me like that, too. That's what it did. So check this out. Paul writes in Romans 7, verses 21 through 24. Worship team, you can come on up. He goes, Paul says this. Talk about this wrestle between our flesh and our spirit. He says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I want to do good, but evil's right there with me. He goes, from my, in my inner being, I, I delight in God's law but I see another law at work in me and it's waging war on my mind, right? It's making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul's saying, man, I love God. I love Jesus. I love his word. I've committed my life to, to spreading it, to talking about it. But there's this evil, there's this brokenness that I wrestle with and I can't get it right. There's times where it's like, I don't even want to do it, but I just find myself stepping into it. anyone been there it's like come on I don't even want I don't even want to live in that I don't even want to mess with that but it's just like the, this war and sometimes I lose I'm you know here's here's the reality it's like we're broken and, and I love how Paul's giving the charge to the church he's saying come on we got to live this out come on we got we got to live we got to show the world Jesus we got to live set apart he's given us his holy spirit to empower us to do it and he, and he gives us his charge but he's he's also transparent enough to say but listen I understand sometimes we don't always get it right sometimes we don't always get it right right and, and even Paul says he goes what a wretched man I am and maybe some of us have felt like that right maybe some of us has, have looked at somebody else in the church and been like man if I was like that then I would be fine like you know, or, may, or maybe in those private conversations you've had with God, like, God, I'm just the worst. Like, I just did it again. I keep, I keep doing it. He's like, Paul goes, man, what a wretched man I am. He goes, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, destined and deserving of hell? Who will rescue me from it? Because as bad, as much as I love God's law, as, as bad as I want to live it out, I still find myself wrestling with the brokenness. I still find myself losing to the sin sometimes. I, I still find myself there. And, and here's where the good news is. Verse 25, I'm so glad there's one more verse. I'm so glad there's one more verse. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The point is this, church, there's a sin problem. There's a heart issue. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Come on. Romans 5, it says, he died for us while we were still sinners. Didn't wait for you to get it right. Didn't wait for me to get it right. No, he pursued us in our brokenness. Okay, so if he loved us enough to die for us in the, in the fullness of our brokenness, trust me, it's okay. His grace is sufficient. He'll sustain you. We got time to step into it. We got time to become who he's calling us to be, but we got to throw off that old self, not just live in it. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Come on. Jesus, we love you so much. I'm so grateful for who you are and what you've done in my life. 
in, in so many lives in this room. And God, I, I pray if there's people in this room who are wrestling, struggling, find themselves in a season where feel like they're not doing enough or feel like they're unworthy of your love and your grace and you can't meet them in this season, God, help them to be reminded that, come on, you gave a murderer a mission. God, you've, you've assigned addicts, Lord. God, I pray if there's stone on hearts, I pray that right now you begin to chip it away. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.